0: Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death ranged from Adam to Moses, even those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, Much more have have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness Grace also might, might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord.
1: Thank you. Well, don't you love people who know just the right question to ask us at just the right time? It might be a very basic mere, hey, you've been really busy recently, are you coping okay? And... Even a question like that can just unpack us and go, yeah, actually, that's true. Thanks for noticing, but that's right, exactly. And you love when people are insightful enough to just ask the right question that goes right to our heart and unpacks who we are. Well, there's four questions you've got on your sheet. And there are four questions... Well, I think one of those questions is perhaps one that sort of goes deep to who you are and unpacks who you are and you think would... Be the sort of question that someone you'd like someone to ask you in a way that would unpack who you are. So let me ask you: uh, which one of those questions would you want to be asked, or would it be challenged to ask for yourself? I think that's the way they're phrased. Uh, such that it would unpack you. Which one do you think goes to the core of who you are? Well, here's a chance to say good day to the question next to you, uh, have a little chat with him. Uh, or just have a think about this to yourself. Which questions, which one of those questions do you think unpacks who you are? I'll give you those. Go for it. It's <laughs> got you thinking about you and uh, what makes you tick. I'm not going to ask you for, the, uh, for what answers to those questions you might have. But I do want to ask you, this one. which question was that stood out for you? Or which question you think goes to the heart of you? Who said Who said the first one, number one? Okay, roughly about a quarter. Uh, Who said the second one? What is my place in the world? (laughs) A few more. There's a few lower hands for that one, but nonetheless, there's probably maybe just less than a quarter. Uh, What people do I belong to? Who said that one? A couple of people, not many. Um, What is my purpose in life? Yeah, okay, again, not huge hands, but probably probably the most uh, out of all of them. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, Romans 5 has one of these questions underpinning what Paul's talking about. And it actually goes to the heart of who we are and answers that question. And the implications of the question and the answer for us are huge and quite interesting. And we're going to get stuck into it. Now, before we do, this is God's word to us. So uh, I'm going to pray and ask God to help us understand it. I to explain it well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this word you've given to us. Lord, we don't want to uh, waste our time uh, here. We don't want to uh, just pass time, especially with your word before us. Help us to understand what you are saying to us and to respond rightly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. To get into understanding what's at the heart of this passage, we need to understand the argument that Paul is making first, and the logical structure to his argument. As you're reading through it, as Lucy's reading it to us, you probably heard some logical type words, but probably didn't quite grasp what the actual structure was. It is a little bit difficult. But as you get it, and you need to see it, uh, it's, it's not too difficult to see that there is a structure to it. And uh, I'm going to try and unpack a little bit of it for you first to try and just get a framework of the whole chapter or the big picture of the whole chapter. It kicks off verse 12 with, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. Now, whenever you hear the phrase or the words, therefore, just as... Whatever context, what word are you listening for that completes that idea or completes that argument? Therefore, just as what word are you looking for? Anyone? So So, that's right. That's just how we structure our that sort of logic. Jeff, therefore, just as I had KFC last night, so I'm going to have it again tonight. <laughs> Neither <laughs> of those is true at all. Uh, so, not a of work of an argument. Okay. Now, the work again for you guys to do is: where's the so that connects to this? Therefore, just as again, I'll give you thirty seconds. One, uh, two, round about you. Where is the so? Yeah. Anyone? <laughs> Everyone playing safe today. So there is.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, so the verse 12, who, who thought it might be the verse 12, so a few people with their hands up. There's a little word that sort of, even in English, sort of pushes us away from that logic. Uh, it's the answer. Uh Therefore, just as sin came into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because of all sin. It seems like Paul's adding to his premises rather than sort of resolving the argument. Mm. It's the and so, and so. Uh, it's not the final. So, you actually don't get the so until you get down to verse 18 and 19. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone have that one? Oh, I changed that, that one. That's unreal, oh, good. Uh, if you've got that one. So jump down to verse 18. You see there's sort of roughly three paragraphs, so we've got structured here. The last paragraph, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation to all men, so one act of righteousness led to justification for all men, for as by one man's disobedience to all the made sinners, so by the one man's disobedience. So by the one man's obedience. Okay. Now, where does, how does this logic work? If you go back to... It's indicated by the publishers of, this, of the ESV for us a little bit. With At the end of verse 12, do you see how it's got that M dash? It's actually called an M dash. You do um, uh, grammar. It's got its own name. Uh, to, because all sin. It's sort of like a colon. It's like a, a parenthesis. Okay, I'm sort of leaving off my argument now. So talk about this. It's almost like Paul said and started talking about because all sinned. Actually, I need to talk to you and explain to you about how all have sinned. And then I'll come back to and finish off my argument later. So you could put a line from that or an arrow from that dash all the way down to verse 18. Where at the first part of verse 18 it's almost like he reheats his argument from the beginning. Uh, Like, therefore, as one trespass with the combination of all men, complete my argument. So... So what you've got is that first part, it's not resolved until the last paragraph, and what you've got in the middle uh, is Paul explaining this idea of death going to all people, and how sin has spread to all people, and Mm -hmm. then also what God has done about it um, to reverse that. And so um, you can see, well, hopefully you'll see how that all fits together. Now, If you've just joined us for the first time, Uni Bible Talks, um, and you're thinking, hang on, I didn't thought this was going to be an English... I didn't know it was going to be an English lesson. Uh, I would have gone and had lunch instead or something. Hang in there. This is good. You might feel like you're just already, you know, up to your eyeballs in mud. Um, Trust me, this is mud cake. That is the word. Being up to your axles in, or eyeballs in. And if you feel like that, you're probably feeling the same as all the regulars are too with uh, <laughs> what is this passage all about. Which <laughs> is a, a bit more of a mental stretch than normal, but it's a, it's a worthwhile mental stretch. It is mud cake because this is actually God laying the foundation or embedding again the foundation of how it is that we're right with him and how he's dealt with this massive problem that we have. So, there's the rough structure, the big structure. Well, let's have a look at the, some of the details. Well, first of all, in the chapter, sorry, point two, um, Adam's sin for all. What, what did Adam, who's named in this first paragraph, what did he actually do? Verse 12. Sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. Adam's act of sinning, was an act of hostility towards God, of the first act of rebellion against God. And it's as though in that act of eating from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam digs a trench and establishes trench warfare against God. That's what his act does. Declares war against God. It's mostly a cold war. It's a war nonetheless. So Romans 1 verse 18, Paul's already established that in his argument, for the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who've suppressed the truth of God by their wickedness. They've set up a cold war against God. Well, what happens then? Well, they're cut off from the source of life. Adam's cut off from the source of life. Remember back to Genesis chapter 2 the day that you eat of this, you will die. You will be cut off from the source of life. And so Adam dies. Genesis 5 tells us what then happens. Well, continuing on, Adam has a son. And what happens? He dies. But before he dies, he has children, and he dies. And before that, he dies, he has children, and they die. And you have this uh, litany of death that flows out of the act of rebellion because as Adam lives in this trench or dies in this trench he has children in this trench before he dies and they have children and they have children and they have children and they grow up in hostility against God and by consequences they die and Paul says this is the picture of humanity we are all born into the trench warfare of hostility against God. That is what we're born into because of Adam's sin. And so, verse 12, And so death spread to all men because all sinned. All are caught up in it. It's a very big trench. It's a huge trench of warfare against God. It's pretty nice, actually, for some uh, sort of the Wollongong branch of that trench uh, is a pretty comfortable place to be. Uh, life's pretty good, and um, nonetheless, the, the battle lines are drawn against God. Some people are in the trench maintaining the, the guns against God, firing off against God, but most people, most of the time, just make a very happy life in the trench. Living for serving, living for whatever it is that's around, and life's not too bad. And then we die. But we have kids. Ah, sort of Genesis five, and they die. But we have, they have kids, and then they die. (laughs) Death comes to all because all sinned, and that death is an ever-present reminder that we're living on the opposite side to God. We're living in rebellion against God. Cold war it may be, comfortable it may be, but death, we don't escape. And it's God saying, you are not right with me. There are consequences. This is not good. You're in danger. The wrath of God is coming to deal with it. And so all born into Adam are born into sin. And so in this passage, we have one of the key statements in Scripture Outlining the doctrine that is the summary of the whole Bible's teaching, the doctrine of original sin. Original sin is not about, like, where does sin come from? Where does sin originate from? Or Adam's first act of sin. That's not what the doctrine of original sin is about. It's about how does sin originate in me? Like, where does it come from? And Paul's argument is, it comes from Adam. I'm a sinner because Adam sinned. I die because Adam sinned. I'm condemned because Adam sinned. I'm a sinner because Adam sinned. That's the doctrine of original sin. Why are people condemned? Verse 18 makes the same point. The one trespass... Led to condemnation for all men. Verse 19 For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Yeah. I can tap into your brain at the moment. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? B1. (laughs) I think I am. B2. This is unjust condemnation time. (laughs) <laughs> is it not? this is not fair surely this is not right Adam's sins Adam sin means I am judged as a sinner yes now please don't mentally leave the room at this point hang in there uh, I think you'll see that this is actually true And in understanding how it's true, it will teach you something deeply about our world, about yourself, about ourselves, and something blinkered about our culture, or most of our cultures. And, by the way, do get excited when you come across something like this in Scripture that's difficult to understand and is challenging to you, because this is actually a chance to learn something. Uh, You don't leap about when you go, read something and go, oh, yeah, I knew that already. But when you find something, you think, oh, I don't understand how that works. Now you're learning something. The first challenge is our mostly cultural assumptions as to what it makes, as in what makes me who I am. Like the questions i got you to ask, first of all. For Westerners, I make up who I am. I decide who I am. There's lots of influences in my life, but I make up who I am. And so questions like that Number three one, what people do I belong to, or who I belong to, are bizarre questions to most of us. Like, we don't belong to anyone. I mean, yeah, I sort of belong with certain people, but I don't belong to a people. And the reason is because we live at the tail end of a 400-year-old experiment called Western society, governed by liberal democracies which has promoted the autonomy of the individual, the autonomy of the individual, a hugely beneficial and necessary corrective to overreaching medieval authoritarianism. The importance and status of the individual has been a battle worth winning in the West. However, it's developed into individualism. That is, an ism is how you understand the whole world through the lens of a particular thing. So, the promotion of the individual, the status of the individual, has led to, I understand the whole world and existence through the individual. Individualism says that the greatest good in the world, therefore, the whole of the world is understood, is my independence, my autonomy. And so the goal then for the Westerner is for me to find myself. I determine who I am. I find, I find my own significance. I don't get it from anyone else. Goodness me, no way. No one tells me what my significance is. I discover it for myself. which is a huge burden for most of us to bear because I've got to come up with it. I can't just grab what someone else has already done, which many cultures do. You have this. This is the family you belong to. There's your identity. No, we have to come up with it ourselves. If you see that you do belong to a tribe or a people group that has inherited and owns the actions of the predecessors, it changes everything. I'm determined somewhat by my tribe. My tribe, most of us, our tribe, is the Commonwealth of Australia. It's insanely wealthy and blessed. None of it is really my doing. You probably knew that already. But I gain personally from it. You gain personally from it. My tribe's achievements and advancements, none of which are really mine, advance my life personally and advance your life personally. But my tribe has treated first Australians shamefully, awfully, None of it mine personally, but I bear the blame. And you bear the blame. It would be wrong to deny responsibility. I need to own the past. I need to say sorry and set about repairing the relationships. I can't, in individualistic terms, say, I didn't do it. It's nothing to do with me. Okay, how does this relate to Romans? All people are sinners because, Romans 5, we are in Adam. We are in Adam. We are in Adam's sin. His act of disobedience, of putting us, humanity, into the trench warfare against God, means I'm guilty of sin. I'm deserving of death. And not unjustly either, because. I willingly follow Adam. It's not as though I wake up one day and think, now, which side will I live on? No, I'm living on the side that's over and against God. And when I understand that, what do I do? I go, cool, I'll to live this way. We live out the thing that we inherit quite happily. Just like we quite happily live out the blessings of living in this country without deciding to own them, we just leave them out. Are they ours? Sure they are. I'll take them. Did I do them all? No, but I'll I'll claim them. They're mine. Unless you've renounced your citizenship, mind you. So, as we sin, we are showing what side we're on. We embrace Adam. We've made the trench our home. Hence, Paul says, death spread to all men because of all sin. You're a sinner because of Adam's sin. You're condemned because of Adam. And so verse 13, sorry, verse 14, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. The consequence is death reigns. Death reigns? Whether or not you've got the law, we have to remember that context that Paul's talking to is the people who are trying to work out what difference does the law make? Like if you're a Jewish person who's got the law or a Gentile person who didn't have the law but you're both sort of becoming Christians, where does the law fit into that? It doesn't matter. Before the law, death reigned. After the law, it got worse. Death reigned. It doesn't matter whether there's law or not. Death reigns. All the way from... Adam to Moses, before the Lord to the coming of the Lord. The purpose is to argue that everybody is under sin. Yeah. the purpose of Paul in this chapter is not to teach us about the doctrine of original sin. He needs to lay that foundation for where it is that he's going. That is, point three, God's gift which outclasses original sin. So the passage is topped and tailed with this framework of truth that that the outcome of every individual in history is affected by one of two people, either Adam or Jesus. Every person who has ever lived, every person in this room, every person on this campus, their outcome is affected by the actions, by two actions of two individual people. And so in that way Jesus and Adam are the same. That's part of what Paul saying here. They're the same. Not because they're the same people but because each of them does an action that has a consequence for everybody. Everybody that follows that particular one. And so in that sense they're the same. However they're quite different too. So just see, first of all, in verse fifteen. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man Jesus Christ abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following. Many trespassers brought justification. See, Jesus' death and resurrection, resurrection here is described, is what has been meant by the gift that is the undeserved favour and generosity of God in Jesus' act of righteousness that we read about in chapter 3, verse 21 and following. Jesus' death, is sacrificial death, this free gift that God gives. And what Paul's saying here, it's, it's, it's like in, in that act, in that G- act of Jesus giving his life, it's as though God sends Jesus in a troop carrier across the battle lines and into the trench to, to say to the rebels, come, come and, come and change sides, come and repent, turn away from Adam, don't live for him. Jesus has provided a way. Jump on board turn back to God, repent, put your trust, Romans chapter 4, put your trust in the message of the gospel that Jesus has come to redeem life and give people life. And this is, this is the real thing that Paul wants to draw attention to, that God has done something in this one act of Jesus that has changed the whole lives of people who will be on board with him. And that's really the thing to get excited about. Two actions. One action put everybody in rebellion against God. The other action of this one man brings life for those who trust in the gospel message. And the incomparable actions is the other thing. The, the God's gift outclasses original sin. That is, Adam's act of rebellion... It takes no effort whatsoever, uh, it's a bit like, it, it takes very little effort to to injure and maim someone, very little effort, in an act of stupidity, to lose concentration on the road, kill someone, maim someone, it takes very little to do that, that's Adam. It takes great cost and enormous effort to save and restore life. To perform neurosurgery, to carefully restore damaged parts of the brain and nervous system takes great skill and expertise to bring back life and restore hope. That is what Jesus does. Now, the two actions are totally of two different worlds apart. The one that brings Death and compared to the one that restores life, you wouldn't even bother putting them together on the same page. Except both actions have a huge impact on a whole heap of people, and this action of Jesus had a huge impact on those who trust in Him. The two actions are similar but incomparable, is Paul's message here. The free gift of grace in Jesus brings life so much better and outclasses sin at every step. Well, where are you at with God and what he's done in Jesus to bring about a rescue from Adam's sin? The passage really isn't all about how original sin works, though that's the basis of the argument. It's if you're in Christ, then you have life and righteousness in God. You can't be half-half. You're either living in rebellion against God or you've been redeemed by Christ onto God's side. Which people do you belong to? You either belong to Adam or you belong to Jesus. The overflow of belonging to Adam is well, just more living for yourself, more more sin. That's the definition of sin: living for self, and ultimately death and condemnation. But the result of living, accepting Jesus' gift, is life. Life now, and notice in verse seventeen something really interesting. Huge! That we we'll pick up in weeks to come. For because of one man's trespass, death reigned; death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ. Now, you yell it out. Who is it in verse seventeen? Who is reigning? Sir? Death's reigning, that's right. It's not Jesus. Though no, that's true. It's us. Mm. It's us. You said that. I didn't care. It. It's those who Jesus redeems. It's Yes, it's through Jesus, that's right. But the passage says, much more will those who receive the abundant grace and free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus. That is, if you have been redeemed and saved, then you're not just sort of passively sitting there um, you know, being driven across the, the battle lines into God's kingdom. You're to reign in life. Now, what does that mean, to reign in life? Do I get thrown somewhere? Uh, do I get a crown? Do I get like a big, you know do I get some power somewhere? Well, sit and listen and wait till you get to it next week or you can jump ahead and read chapter 6 and seven. But here, hear what's being said today: who are you with? Who are you under? What people do you belong to? Now you might be someone who doesn't belong to Jesus. in fact you reject the whole premises here. I don't belong to Adam, and I don't belong to Jesus, I just belong to me. That's right, Paul's argument is that Adam's way of thinking. You're self-determined, I determined me, that's exactly what Adam did. You're in Adam. And I can show it too, because be opposite to Adam. Put it into practice, and decide to live under God, to turn back to him, and accept Jesus free offer say well no I don't want to that's right that's because you're in Adam see you're not, we're not self determined we live out the one that we belong to but God says repent and seek forgiveness and he promises that he will forgive if you jump on board with Jesus friends if you're here in that boat today or in that trench, jump on board with Jesus. This is God's word to us today. It's free, and the benefits are huge and massive now and for eternity. To reign in life, to have righteousness, to live rightly in this world and the next, to know God, to know Him who's made us and called us to be His own. I will to leave some bread, Father. Thank you for your word to us today. We are sorry for the wrong that we have done, living in rebellion against you and following the way of Adam. Thank you that you provided a way in Jesus, the truly righteous one, to bring us from rebellion and death to life and righteousness. Help us, those who are thinking through of living for Jesus, to make that decision, to turn away from living for self and to live in righteousness, following Christ and trusting Him. And we prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Hello,
2: everyone. My name is Cross. I'm a second-year international studies student. Something I love about calling Jesus is that through Him we can uh, come before Him, come before our Father in prayer, and so let's do this as one body, uh, bringing many things before Him as a Bible group. So if you're willing and able, please join me in prayer. Say um, Amen at the end if you agree. Heavenly Father, we, we praise You for Your goodness and Your grace that has been shown to us in Christ. Thank You that we can come and gather, hear more about Jesus on campus. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for the Christian Union, Christian Union of James, James Cook University in Townsville. Thank you so much for how many people came to their challenge weeks over the last few weeks in August to hear more about Jesus. Uh, we pray that you'll continue to work through the, the conversations and re- relationships that are built out of the handing out of Luke's Gospels, um, that more people would come to join the Christian Union uh, and and hear more about the grace that has been offered the free gift that has been offered in Christ. Well, we thank you so much for the new new members of their focus group. Uh, we pray that they would continue to adjust to life in a foreign place and learn the supremacy of Christ as they dig through Colossians as a group. Uh, we pray for the number of students uh, that have the opportunities to train and share the gospel with their friends. We also pray for opportunities to share with those that they don't know at their lunchtime group on Wednesdays, just like us Lord. Lord, we pray for our Unipop group, and we pray for Focus specifically, uh, the Fellowship of Overseas Christian University students. Thank you that there are so many people from all nations coming onto our campus. Lord, would you help us take the opportunities to share the gospel uh, and to love them as they come onto our campus. We pray for the recent Mid-Autumn Festival Outreach Night, uh, and for all the new students that came along and heard the gospel proclaimed in Mandarin We pray that we can follow them up well and that they will want to learn more about Jesus themselves. We thank you for the Indonesian Bible study, that they can meet together and study your word in their own language as well. Please help them to know your word better and give them confidence to share it with their other friends. We praise you for JJ and for Caroline serving as our focus reps for the coming year. Lord, we ask that you would help them to lead well, to pastorally care for the many female students who come along to focus events each week. Lord, thank you so much for the fact that Australia has the gospel. It has come to us, uh, but we would like to bring before you so many nations and unreached people groups that have not yet heard the gospel, the saving message of Christ. Lord, we pray for the people of Maba, the Mabanji uh, of Chad. Uh, with a population of 500,000, Lord, there's only 0.04 Christians there, uh, and being Islam-dominant uh, It's very hard for Christian missionaries to enter these places, as you would know. And so we ask that you would be working the people of Maba uh, to to learn the gospel, come to know Jesus such that more people can hear the saving news of Christ and that you would open up doors for ministry there, uh, such that your son is glorified and there are more partakers of your grace offered to all. Lord, thank you that you are a good God and you love to listen to us come before you. We ask that you would answer all these things in accordance with your will. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.